after fifth birth, there's like power, 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 wonder working power. You'd be out of breath. And uh, uh, I love that hymn. Really, really good hymn tonight. Excited for that. Now, praise the Lord. All right, guys, we're going to get started on our message tonight. Again, as I already mentioned a little bit earlier, a little bit of a different uh, sermon this evening, maybe more of a lesson, uh, some characteristics that we can look at in this particular character, this individual named Benai, uh, who is uh, a mighty man of, of courage, he's a man of valor. Um, I've titled this lesson, and we'll look at it here in just a little bit after his name and the, and the quality of what he is, and those of you who have seen the post, you already understand that. And you may ask yourself, why preach a message like this? Why is this message just, enti- is it just meant for men? It's not just meant for men. No different than me preaching from John chapter 4. That's not just meant for ladies, okay? Or, or preaching from the different lady, the Syrophoenician uh, uh, woman. There's no, the, the, uh, we can take characteristics from every character in the Bible and we can apply it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to preach on the Proverbs 31 woman here in a couple of weeks and uh, see how far we can get away or in between where Christmas is going to be and uh, um, about how that woman is strong. And uh, But there's things us as men can and should apply in, with her characteristics, that she is a strong woman, a Proverbs 31 woman. And she's not this weak, timid woman that hides in the corner and this and that. That's not what the chapter teaches. And for years, you find that, that preachers have portrayed uh, the Proverbs 31 woman to be that particular woman. She is the ideal wife. She is the ideal mother. She is the ideal citizen. She's all of those things. But she's a woman of strength, and we need to remember that. And uh, so, man, when we get to that, when we get to that area, it's not your time to switch off and Say, well, that's not for me. That's for my wife. That's for it's for all of us. Okay, no different than this evening. I'm not telling anybody to go out and get into a fight with a lion on a snowy day. Okay, uh, so we need to understand where our limitations are and the day and age of when this applies. But you're going to find five characteristics with Benai that I believe that every one of us can apply in our everyday life in one way, shape, form, or fashion. But again, going back to my question that I'm asking for you, why? Why bring this message? Why are we looking at the characteristics of this particular individual? What is important about it? One of the things is because we live in a society today. We live in a, a gravely different society and world than the generations that went past, than the, the generations of the First and Second World War, the generations of those, uh, what we call the greatest generations, of the people who our society has been built upon. We, we, it's a different world today. And, uh, and I don't mean it's a different world in a, uh, a better way. I understand, guys. Hey, look, you know, we talk about, well, back in the good old days and this and that, of which none of us were alive to live in those days. But you know what? Running water is a good thing, you understand. Indoor toilets, those are great. Freezers, those are wonderful, right? Those those are all great things, okay, and I get that. But there are some characteristics from that generation that is gone. That generation of when our countries developed, that generation from when the eternal record was recorded in the Holy Scripture, those people that we need to take and we need to apply, we need a resurrection in some of these characteristics in our world today. Our society is convinced that it's beyond anyone to teach them that our education is so high that we don't need help and and it's driven our minds away from God and away from his word it's given birth to a uh, to a perverted religion if you will in our society it's reared up a generation of people who not only refuse to depend on God trust in prayer have faith in his word but they lean on their own understanding and it's a dangerous place to be a very dangerous place to be an individual asked me the other day, and they, they came to me with a particular question, and I'm not going to get into the particular questions, but they prefaced the question, I need, BJ, can I ask you a question? You're a man of God, and I know right then, I know 
what's getting ready to come there i know uh, an area um guys i'm gonna go those of you, you guys know me well enough you see me i am unapologetically i'm an unapologetic christian i am unapologetic about standing on the truth of the word of god i am i'm not going to back down not going to be arrogant about it but i'll fight tooth and nail on the purity preservation of that word that is my livelihood there i have no problem with that having said that i don't have to peacock it around either because the truth stands for itself you understand so they came to me with this question they asked, and they wanted to know whether or not do you believe that people are inherently bad? Are they born bad, you know? And, uh, of course, I referenced a couple of serial killers, and that was the reason they were asking the question, because they had seen a couple of shows and whatnot. But I do believe in nature. I, I believe, I believe that, that nurturing... Uh, Good night, man. If somebody could have got a hold of maybe Jeffrey Dahmer, who knows? I mean, things, things may, have, may have been different as a child. I don't know that. I do think there are some physiological and genetic issues, yes. But one thing that we all have in common in here is that our heart is deceitful above all. The Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? So when we, again, when we have a society that has developed today to live according to what their heart tells them to feel, okay, I think I mentioned this last week about what love is. Love is not a, a feeling. It's not an emotion. Love is a sacrifice. It is an action. It is a deed. You understand? I mean, there are times when your loved ones, you don't feel too loved by them or you don't, have, you don't feel too much love for them. That happens. It's not based on feelings. Can you imagine if our life today and everything that we did and how we treated people solely was based upon how we feel that day? Do you know how up and down we would be in our world today? Do you know we're supposed to be up and down in the world? We're not supposed to be like this. Our emotions are not to be, you know, you know, you know prescribed on Zoloft so bad that we have no feelings up or down. That's not what our emotions are supposed to be. They're there for a reason. We avoid failure in our life. And I don't believe that we should. I think you need to fail. Teaches you things, doesn't it? I probably learned just as much failing than I have in succeeding, maybe more. We get into the gym and you know, you're trying to hit a certain digit on your snatch or your deadlift or your clean or whatever it is. You go through failures trying to get to that number and you learn what to correct and to get better at through failure. We shouldn't avoid it. That was a sneak peek to tomorrow morning's motivational video, by the way, so sorry. But the heart is deceitful. And we have produced a generation in our world today that depends on what they feel to do whatever they want to do. And this is why the wisest man on the earth tells us this. He says, keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Everything that occurs in our world today comes out of the heart of mankind, hands down. And the lack of guarding our deceitful heart, it enables carnal desires, the carnal desires of sinful man, to run rampant in the world today. It allows the generation of people, men, women, and children, to do what feels right you know, Boy, but our feelings really and truly are of no account. And I understand that's probably harsh to some people tonight. But just because you feel that it's right, it doesn't make it right. Not at all. I mean, there was a time when man's imagination was continually wicked. God destroyed the whole world because of that. If it was wrong before, it's wrong today. Booker T. Washington said, a lie doesn't become truth, wrong doesn't become right, evil doesn't become good just because it's accepted by the majority. That's a, that's a, I can stop the sermon now. That's, that, that's profound. And yet today, we live in a broken world filled with broken people, but they deny a perfect salvation solely because they feel something. Man, I just don't feel that's for me. 
You know, the Bible tells me that you know God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever, as of last Monday, that whosoever became 8 billion people. Whosoever. And he didn't die for a select group of people. He didn't die for a pre-selected group that was predestinated. He didn't, that, that's not true, guys. Whosoever is whosoever. That means anyone will choose to come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. They can be. So I want to present to you tonight it's a sermon. I've, t- I've taken it out of a, a series of lessons that I taught years back. And it was titled Alphas. And we're, you know the character we're looking at. We've already mentioned his name in AI tonight. And I want to look at this because I believe that our world today, our world today, uh, and I believe especially men, guys. I, and I, I'm a man. i got every right to say that because I, I'm, I'm taking it on the chin uh, over the last 30, 40 years. You know, for lack of better ter- terms, I believe men have become soft. I don't believe they're leaders like they should be, whether it be in society, whether it be in the home, whether it be in church, whether it be in business, whether it be wherever it may be. I believe that in a great way, our group of, and not just men, but people in general, but Christians in general, are willing to lay down, lose a backbone, and stand up for doing the right thing. Sometimes it's going to cost you to do the right thing. Sometimes it's going to hurt. Guys. Sometimes you're going to lose friends. You're going to lose family members. But doing the right thing will never be wrong. It will never be wrong. Your intentions have to be right as well. Now, ladies, again, before you think, oh, this is all about men, we're going to get, every one of us are going to get something out of this tonight, okay? You, you will in the next weeks. And then, of course, your time's coming when we hit the Proverbs 31, one lady. But I want you to imagine with me tonight, what if you took the characteristics of men today in the world and you put it into the first century church? And I'm, I'm generalizing, obviously. If that would have been the case, you, you, Peter and John would have never preached what they have seen and heard after their first arrest. They said, okay, we're going to be, we're going to cow down to your religious sites. We're not going to do it. You told us not to preach in the name of Jesus. Not going to do it. But they did. Paul would have never been stirred in his heart when he sat in Athens in Acts chapter 17 when he saw the the city wholly given over to idolatry. John Mark would have never become profitable for the ministry if you had the characteristics of today. James would have not been willing to, to die for the cause of Christ. John would have given up long before he was ever exiled to the Isle of Patmos. He wouldn't have the book of Revelation. So let me say this tonight. Biblical Christianity, guys, is the only belief, only belief on the planet and in the history of human beings which lifts up the roles of men and women to where they belong. And I said lift up, not put down. Every other religion in this world today, pagan and pseudo-Christian alike, they swing the the pendulum far away from where God intended it, either by worshiping women and downgrading men or by exalting men to rule over women with a clenched fist and hold them in bondage. And both of them are wrong. Let me go and say this. Both of them are evil. God's given us a position in this world today. Christianity has provided liberty and freedom to our souls and in reality to our societies. Christian and Christian liberty to worship Jesus Christ. The Jesus Christ as the Bible has intended us. The, the, the Lord Savior uh, who has declared and fulfilled the role that God has given him. That's what biblical Christianity has done for all of us. And yet we find churches have closed down in massive numbers today. Me personally, I believe churches have closed down because of empty pulpits. And I don't mean empty pulpits physically. I mean spiritually. I mean the lack of teaching, the lack of biblical preaching, biblical teaching, rightly divided in the Word of God. Uh, they want to bring uh, little 
you know, sermonettes and, and you know, sprinkle and make people feel good. And, and again, I'm not saying I don't want you to, I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Okay, don't take that the wrong way. Um, but I'm not here to scratch your ears either, you know, like you would a dog to make them feel good. Do you know currently right now in 2022, the UK has the lowest number of church attendance in the history of our country? You know how old our country is? <laughs> a lot older than America, all right? And we have the lowest church attendance in the history of civilized world today. Less than 1.5% today attend church on Sunday across the entire population. Matter of fact, in the last 10 years, just barely 10 plus years, I mentioned this this morning, over 2,000 churches have closed in the United Kingdom alone. Over 2,000. The common role of men and women has become blurred in society. Almost like we've become robots and we've bowed down and cowed down in the Christian world today. It seems as if the world has turned its back on the Bible and turned its back on salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ and, and filled, uh, feel as if, you know, what the, you know, the family, the government, you know, all these different things, you know, the family and the government, church, there was, there was a three institution God. God instituted those, those, those entities. But we got it backwards. It seems as if the, the government today has become the, the, the see-all, end-all in our world. And uh, we have a generation of young people who just refuse to labor. They're not willing to, 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 to stick it out, to, to work hard, to labor, to become a productive citizen, to, 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 to fight and, uh, and, 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 and have sacrifices in your life to become successful. You know, success is not measured by a full bank account. Success is measured by what you do every day for yourself, your family, and those that are around you. We're not entitled to it. We got to work for it. But the church, in many ways, have become community centers. I think it's kind of comical because we're a church that meets in a community center. So we haven't become a community center. Churches are filled with line dancing, yoga, Zumba, and all other things to pay their bills. And Sunday morning has become nothing more than a, a nine minute sermon. Three songs and a tick box, and they go on their way. And we wonder why society's become the way it has. And all of this, guys, I understand this may sound quite negative tonight, dismal, and rightly so. It's, it's probably meant to be. But I think in our circles, in our world today, we need a wake-up call. Now, I may be preaching this message tonight, and it may not be particularly for any one individual in here. But we can all collectively learn something that we can apply in our life for those that are around us every single day. So what we need to, to do, what we need to take on board, is you need to pick up the mantle of these, these men and women who came before us, these people that I refer to as alphas, who's gone before us. And I mean men such as Paul and Peter and John, Elisha and Elijah, Benai that we're looking at, Ashiel, Elhanan, David, Eleazar, I mean, these different characters that we can learn and glean from each one of them. The woman at the well in John chapter 4, the Syrophoenician woman, that the Lord Jesus Christ said, I have not seen faith like this, not, in all the, not all in Israel. She wasn't even supposed to be talking to him because of societal norms. You know, matter of fact, he called her a dog, if you will. She said, oh yes, Lord, but the dogs make a meal from the crumbs that fall from the table. My soul, man. She just like, just give me a little bit, of, just give me something. And he healed her daughter, just like that. 
These are people that we can take on board in our life and we can draw from them and we can learn. I'm not saying we have to be hyper-aggressive. In the, in the realms of man, there is a biblical manhood that the Bible teaches. And it's not like a, a blowfish or a peacock. Do you know why peacocks, you know why peacock, we call it peacocking around, but do you know why blowfish, why they blow themselves up like that? Anybody know? You know why the cobra will fan out their, their big fan, you know? Those are, those are, they do those out of, out of defense. But the blowfish is trying to make himself look bigger than he really is because there's a predator getting ready to eat him. So he wants to, you know, bow up. You know, cobra does the same thing. Yeah, the cobra's getting ready to spit. Yes, it's getting ready to attack. But that that fan comes out for you to go away because it doesn't want to attack. Snakes are very fragile, mind you. So he's trying to make himself look bigger than he really is. That's not alphas. Alphas don't do that. Think about a lion. The lion doesn't go around the, the territory, does he? Tell everybody he's a lion. He just does his job. He walks about, does what he has to do. And that's the lesson that we need to learn. And that's not just for men. We need to not make ourselves look bigger than we really are. But rather reflect the one who's bigger than all. Our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to introduce you to Benai tonight. We've read it already in our reading this, this evening. But I want you to look here again with me. Benai, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kabziel. Who had, uh, who had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also, he went down and slew a lion in the pit of it in a snowy day. And he slew an Egyptian, a man um, of great stature, five cubits high. And, and uh, in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. And he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand, I find hilarious, and slew him with his own spear. These things did Benia, the son of Jehoiada, and had the name among the three mighties. Behold, he was honorable among the thirty, but attained not to the first three, and David sent him over his guard. Now, Benaiah is in the Bible is the son of Jehoiada. We just read that. He, he came from this, a southern Judea, uh, Judean town of Kabzeel. And Benaiah was one of King David's mighty men. He was a commander of the 3rd Rotational Army Division. We find in, in 1 Chronicles chapter 27, and verse 5, it says that the 3rd the captain of the host for the 3rd month was Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, the, a chief priest. And, and in his course was 20 and 4,000. He massively helped uh, uh, David's son Solomon's uh, to killing his enemies, and he served uh, as chief of Solomon's army. On Solomon's order, which was by way of the Lord, he was responsible of many of the enemies that was going looking to the demise of not only the king, but of Israel in general. Now, we won't read all the verses, but you'll have them for reference up here on the screen. At least we hope you will. But he, he was responsible for eliminating um, Adonijah. We see that in 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 24 and through 25. Joab, and you guys may know Joab from, uh, from dealings with King David and whatnot. And Joab's a, an interesting character because Joab had, uh, he, he had a backbone. He was a fighter. He was a man of, of war. He was a leader, but he was a sneaky little thing as well. He was, he was, he was uh, double-tongued. He was, he was two-faced. He was this and that. And so, you know, he, he, Benea got, got rid of him and got him out of the way because of the blood that he had shed before behind closed doors and this and that. Shimei is another one. We find him in 1 Kings 2, 39-46, and uh, where the Bible says it came to pass at the end of three years uh, that two of the servants of Shimei ran away from Achish, the son of Malchah, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, the servants will be in Gath. And Shimei rose and saddled his ass and went to Gath to, uh, to Achish to seek for his servants and his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. And it was told Solomon that Shimei had gone down 
from Jerusalem to Gath. Now, just to give you a backstory of that, you know, he had messed up, Shimei did. And so he was limited to never leaving Jerusalem. Solomon had mercy on him. He said, you know what, I'm not going to kill you, I'm not going to wipe you out, but you never can leave this city. You've got to stay right here, which was a beautiful city. It was a walled city. It was protected. It was great. It was wonderful. And yet we find out what happened here. He runs down, and because of that, you know, he ends up losing his life. Solomon warned him, and that's what happened. Verse 46, so the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, which went out and fell on him, that he died, and the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. All kinds of devices going on. And Benaiah, this man, this man, uh, this warrior, this valiant man, was willing to stand up for the right thing and do the right thing when it really wasn't convenient, if you want to know the truth. And I realize it sounds harsh, this cold killing, but the Old Testament often has... In the physical, events in the physical that we must apply in the spiritual and the practical. Meaning this, there are some enemies that you and I have in our life. Some of them are within ourselves. They're in our own minds. Some of them are in our life. Some of them are habits. There are giants that we have to face that we deal with every single day. There are things that we, choices we make, things we put into our ears, our eyes, our mouth, our, our mind, that we fill our mind, and they are enemies and they're eating us up. And what we need to do is look at them as a Shimei, as a Joab, as an Elijah, as an Egyptian with a big sword, as two lion-like men, a lion in a snowy day. We need to look at those and apply them in our life if we want to do better. Because, guys, I'm telling you, input equals output. What you put into your mind, what you put into your ears, what you put into your heart, it comes out in your characteristics. It comes out in your life. So there's some enemies that we ought to be willing to slay in our lives, enemies of our mind, enemies of our emotions sometimes, our attitudes and even our actions, enemies of the king hindering us from serving God faithfully and fully. We find out that Benaniah was uh, in charge of the Cherethites and the Peleothites and find many verses in 1 Kings 1 making it very clear that he was closely associated with the king and understandably so because he was one of David's mighty men. But Ai was a mighty man for sure, and, and, and he by all means is an alpha. He's an alpha of all alphas. By example, a man of courage. And courage, guys, is not the ability to do what one wants to do, but rather to do what is right despite what everyone around you is doing. That's what courage is. Courage is the ability to move forward and doing the right thing, even when the task seems impossible. It is defined as bravery and doing something even when it frightens you. The word occurs 20 times in the Bible. And it means to be bold or to have boldness and have confidence. Courage. So without further ado, guys, I want to get into these five characteristics. I'll go as far as time will allow tonight. So I want you to absorb this and I want you to apply it. If we finish it, great. If we don't, we'll finish it another time. But Benai was a, a mighty man. His legacy was that of being valiant. Look at verse 22 with me. Uh, we'll get into the point here. But in verse 22, the Bible says, Benai, the son of Jehoiada, the son of a valiant man of Kavzil, who had done many, uh, he had, uh, who had done many acts. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. Also, he went down and slew a lion in the pit in the snowy day. You know, here's one of the things that we find. This, this mighty man of valor, of valor uh, a legacy of valiancy is what he left. And, and it's defined, valiance, valor is defined as a force of great courage in the face of danger. Okay? It's easy to be to stand up and do what uh, you feel is right or what is right when you're not in danger, when there's not something pressing you, when there's not an aggressor, when there's not an antithesis, when there's not something that's going to antagonize you. It's easy to do the right thing then. But when temptation comes or when you're the only one, 
That's the hard part. And that's the characteristic that we find. This is the characteristic of an alpha. This is the characteristic of a man of valor uh, who fought and stood in the face of danger even when, point number one, when he was counted out. And I ask you this tonight, guys. Uh, you know, I'm going to ask you this. Has there ever been a time in your life when you felt like you were just counted out? Can't go any further. Can't win. They just pile up in your life. You know, I know we joke about technical difficulties we had this morning. And I told Denise, I was like, you know, I just want things to run smooth. Well, yeah, we all do, don't we? I mean, that's common sense. Has there ever been a dark time in your life where you were faced with an impossibility? That everybody in the world really said, you know what, they're done. Count it out. He slew two lion-like men of Moab. These men were multiple men. There was more than one, obviously. And they're called lion-like. The lion, the king of the jungle. The largest of feline predators lions are. You know, the feline, the, the, uh, you know, the, the, the female predators of the lions, they want to do the hunting. The pride, they're called. Fierce, they are. You ever been close to a, a real lion? You ever see how big they really are? I mean, you see pictures of them, and you see, you know, you want to just cuddle with them. Man, that thing would bite your head off and before you can even think, man. But they're huge. You know, I'm a tiger guy. I love tigers. Always have. But when you look at a tiger, and it's majestic, it's beautiful, it's a beautiful animal. But then you see a lion, there's no comparison. They go ahead like that. And the Bible says that these were two lion-like men, mighty in strength. Proverbs 30, 30 tells us, is a lion which is strongest among beasts and turneth not away from any. So a lion's swipe of its paw alone can crush a cow's skull. One swipe. It's not counting the sheer weight behind the attack as, you know, as, as most lions weigh an average of 400 to, 400 to 420 pounds. It's a lot of weight, man. So we have two large men put together here. Do you know the bite of a lion is 600 pounds per square inch? 600 psi? No, 650. A human, you know humans? 200. We, we, we got 200. Measly little 200. A lot. 650 psi. And other cats have a stronger bite force, like the jaguars, 2,000 psi. See, the, the size of a lion's mouth compared to a jaguar's. There's the difference. Those guys in the circus that stick their head and say they have lost their ever-loving mind. Man, I wouldn't do that to save my life. I'm not going to get in a cage with them, much less stick my head in their mouth. But with, this, with, that, with that thought, the Bible uses, it draws this illustration that these men of Moab, and Moab was a vile, wicked, carnal nation led by their own lust, uh, led by their own sensuality. They were a sadistic um, they're compared to a diligent, destructive predator, these men are, of lion. And on top of their physical stature, their, their, their fitting ability, their, they were two of them. There's one, Benea. I mean, but he didn't back down at all. It didn't stop. When you think of someone with that type of physical stature, then you multiply. There's two of them there. You, most people just count them out. But he stood, he stood up when most would have happily been counted out and left. The odds were against him, 
But because of his courage, he carried on. Secondly, we find that Benai was a man of courage, not only against two lion-like men when he was counted out, but also against the carnivore itself, an actual carnivore. Verse 22 says he also went down and slew a lion in a pit in a snowy day. Now, why slay a lion? Furthermore, why slay one down in a pit? In the days of the jungle, in the days when lions were recorded to have attacked and, and roared against people in mighty, mighty times, lions were, were known to attack sheep in the middle of the night. They were known to attack sheep in the middle of the day. Uh, we know that David had referenced a bear and a tiger, that he delivered a, a lamb out of, out of the mouth of, of the bear. And, and, uh, but lion attacks were common and well documented in these days. I mean, they were there. And so why is it important to us to see that this man of courage, this valiant man here, this, this alpha, if you will, went down and slew one in the midst of a snowy day? Why should we be inclined as men and women today to be willing to stand when we're counted out and stand against the carnivore? Well, one man put it like this. And he's relating the ministry to game hunting. He says, give me a man that knows how to take a life, who understands the seriousness of it and can pull the trigger without without hesitation. He says, we need more of that from our pastors and in our churches. A shepherd's work, he pointed out, requires both the gentle arms of a man and the fierceness toward the wolves in our midst. It's bloody, it's messy, it's manly work, but it's completely unsentimental or pretty. Something, many, and he goes on to reference a few types of people in our culture today cannot stomach. That may sound harsh. But that's what we need today. Let me ask you a question tonight. Do you want a pastor this evening that's just going to get up and whisper sweet little nothings? Or do you want somebody who's going to stand up and whether you like it or not, tell you the truth because it's going to help you when you go through those doors? I liken pastors to coaches. You know, I had probably one coach in my entire life that had no backbone. It was the only losing season I ever had. I had coaches that would tell you things that, man, it still to this day <laughs> haunt you. Would grab us up, yank us by the... I mean, I had one coach cut my hair because he thought it was too long. I had, I had long hair one time. You know, you don't believe that, but I did. And, I mean, you know, I, I look at that, and the reason those coaches are preparing us, they're preparing us for the field. They're preparing us for that day of battle on the gridiron. But they're doing more than that because, you know, sports come to an end. They're preparing us for the days of the battle in life, whether it be business, whether it be home, church, whatever it may be. And I think we need some people that are willing to stand and do the right thing when they're counted out, do it when it's in the midst of danger, and do it for others. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, verse 34 through 36, And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept thy father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And, and I went out after him and I smote him, delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by the beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear and this uncircumcised Philistine uh, shall be the, uh, as one of them, seeing he had defied the armies of the living God. That's David as a little ruddy boy. Ruddy means red, by the way. He was a ginger-haired boy. So, guys, the ministry is not for the weak of heart. And, and, and it's, it's not for someone who's afraid to get dirty, who's afraid to break a sweat. And again, I'm not solely talking about manual labor, but I'm talking about the spiritual battles that we're going to face in our life. 
Not just the pastor, not just uh, you know deacons and those uh, who are in the ministry full time, but every one of us tonight in the pews this evening, in our hearts, in our life, as a Christian, you're going to be faced with things through the door, and you're going to have to make a decision on what is biblically right and biblically sound or what everybody else is saying. And sometimes, you know what, you've got to make the hard choice and take a stand and trust God. Let me ask you a question. David was roughly a 14-year-old boy when he stood up there and said, and this nine and a half foot tall Philistine, he's going to be just like that lion and bear because he trusted God. He picked up five stones, only needed one. And then he went over and he took the sword of Goliath and whacked his head off. Okay? And Israel had a great victory that day. Those are all physical things that happens in the Old Testament that we need to understand in our life. We're going to have to go through the spiritual battles, the spiritual struggles, the things that come into our days, and we've got to decide, am I going to trust God? Or am I going to just try to mealy mouth around this and just, you know, let me just go along to get along. I'm not going along to get along. That's just, it's, number one, it's never been my nature to do that. But number two, Jesus Christ didn't go along to get along. Jesus Christ willingly laid down his life so he could take it back so I can be saved and born again. So you can be saved and born again. So that we can stand today and stand on the truth of the word of God. And you talk about an alpha. We're talking about, the, let's talk about Jesus Christ as an alpha. Matter of fact, he even said he's the alpha omega. Amen. Having standards are right. What you tolerate in your life becomes a standard in your days. And too many we too many we find today they 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 scream about the standards and this and that, but they, they just hide behind false convictions. And the reality is this this evening. We gotta be able to stand with courage and trust that God will have the best outcome in the end. That's what an alpha does. It's not about physical strength. Acts chapter 20, we find another example here. Paul says, Take ye therefore unto yourself and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in unto you, among you, not sparing the flock. Blood. But we need men of God in pulpits today willing to protect the people from the wolves and from the lions, from the carnivores in this world spiritually that will come in and try to root you out. You know, a lion is mentioned 102 times in Scripture, and it's told of the great danger that it will impose upon uh, a judge's land and the result of people turning their backs on God. The strongest and most fierce beast, frightened, not, not this man of valor. I mean, this is the strongest beast that's out there. And without hesitation, he went down into the pit in a snowy day and slew the lion. Why did he do so? I mean, he was contained, yeah? He went down in his territory. He went down into his area. He went down to where that lion had the advantage. On top of that, it was snowy. You know, I don't know if he had shoes on. I'm sure he did, but they wasn't. I mean, he didn't have spikes on. I know that. He didn't have mountain boots. He went down there and killed him. You know why he did that? To protect the people. To protect the people. He knew the danger of a lion. He knew what a lion could and has done. And he knew, he says, well, you know, he could have walked by and said, well, you know, it's down there in the pit. Not my responsibility. He could have acted like he didn't see it, couldn't he? He could have just kind of done this. I didn't see it. But he knew if that lion got out of that pit, and it would, there was men, women, and children back here in the village that would suffer. That's courage. That's what an alpha does. An alpha does the hard things, the inconvenience things. And we need more of those today. We need men and women who are willing to provide and protect their loved ones instead of just looking to their own cares of this life, sitting in fear. Those buying into the lie that Satan has sold us. 
there's one more there that wasn't there. First Timothy chapter five says, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own household, he's denied the face. A worse than an infidel. Lastly, and there are two more, and we'll be done tonight. We find that Benaiah slaying this lion in a place, it wasn't convenient, guys. It wasn't convenient. Again, I've already mentioned it, it was a pit. He slew him in a pit. He's taking a stand, he's fighting, he's doing the right thing, and it's not going to be convenient in our life. And quite often, guys, the fight comes to us at a times when it's mostly inconvenient. And I'm sure going down to that pit to slay that lion, it wasn't easy, it wasn't, it wasn't convenient, but he was willing to go do it in order to protect the people, to literally walk into a lion's den. And whether it was a pit, a snare, whether it was home, whatever it was, but willing to go away from his own territory, give the benefit, give the, 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 the lion... Ten times more of the advantage to go down and take a stand to protect people. How many of us would have done that? You know, one thing that gets in, I mean, just crawls all over me. I try to avoid, like, news videos that people take and they put online. You know what I'm saying? You know, like, this person getting hit or, you know, a lady mugged. I try to avoid it because it, it honestly keeps me up at night. It, if you want to know the truth, it makes me want to go vigilante. You know, it does. It drives me up the wall. But you know what I cannot stand? Here's what I can't stand is when somebody, weaker, whatever, they're being taken advantage of in some way, shape, form, or fashion, and somebody catches it on a camera. You know what that tells me? They'd rather video it than go do something about it. I saw one video I did on the train uh, about a train. It was some... Some clown that pushed some girl over. And him and his boys, they were they were laughing and cutting. They thought it was funny. This little girl he pushed over, and the guy right behind her dropped that guy where he stood. And you say, preacher, you shouldn't say that. You're not supposed to be a brawler. I didn't do it. Did I laugh about it? Yeah, because he got what was coming to him. My, my thoughts here, men, if you put a hand on a woman, I think you need your teeth smacked out. That's just the way it is. I'm just going to be honest with you tonight. I'm not trying to be rude, not trying to be crude, but that's just, it's just, it's unacceptable. You know, Paul tells us, I have fought a good fight, I've kept the faith. I finished my course, I, I have, I have kept the faith. Alphas lead without boasting. They set examples, they go into the battle, they're there to help other people, they're there to stand when it's not convenient. Lastly, tonight, we find that Benea, this Alpha, he slew a lion at a time when it wasn't commodious either. You know, it was a snowy day. Benea was a leader when he was counted out against a carnivore, when he was, uh, when it wasn't convenient or commodious. Uh, he went down. The word commodious means comfortable. And we're talking about a day, not only was it a pit, it wasn't convenient, but it was a snowy day. It wasn't comfortable. The ground was covered in snow and uh, wet. Cold camouflage was absent. There was no hiding. Uh, it would have been. It would not be easy in the battle. The battleground was set, and he didn't back down. So, beloved, we see today. We see if people flee in the fight when the environment isn't commodious. And that word commodious. The reason I used it, I used it for a particular reason because of Acts chapter 27, when they were in the shipwreck. And I'm going to run through this quickly because I do have one more point and I'm done, I promise. But when they, were, when they got over to this area here, when Paul was being transferred to Rome and all these people that was on this ship, 
Bible says in verse 12, it says, because the haven was not commodious to winter in, meaning it wasn't comfortable. They could have stayed there. It was safe. And the more part advised, and Paul said, listen, we need to stay right here because the winds are not good. But they wanted to go ahead and go to Phoenicia, and as they did, you know the rest of the story in Acts 27, they had a shipwreck. Simply because they didn't want to stay somewhere where it wasn't comfortable. Sometimes in our life, we got to do things and be in places. They're not comfortable. we got to face a foe in an area that is not convenient for our life, not comfortable. But guys, this, this, this man here, this Benai, took a stand. He was willing to fight. He was willing to do the right thing. So the fifth characteristic, the one that I want you to see this evening, we're going to get to it straight away, is I want you to see that everything was contrary. It's not on the screen. Everything was contrary. Verse 23 says, And he slew an Egyptian, a man of great stature, five cubits high, and in the Egyptian's hand was a spear like a weaver's beam. And, and he went down to him with a staff and plucked the spear out of the Egyptian's hand and slew him with his own spear. Uh, this Egyptian was a man of great stature, five cubits high. A cubit is typically uh, from the olecranon to the index finger. Roughly it's about 18 inches, which means this Egyptian was seven and a half feet tall. Big old boy. Seven and a half feet tall. In his hand he had a weaver's beam. A weaver's beam was about two and a half inches in diameter, but it was the size of Goliath's spear. Remember, Goliath's spear was referenced. He was nine and a half feet tall, so you can imagine uh, how big Goliath's spear would have been. The weight would always vary in the reports. But the success for this man today in fighting this Egyptian, even though we've seen him, uh, him slay uh, two lion-like men of Moab, even though he went down and slew the, the lion in, uh, in the pit in a snowy day, now he's facing a guy that's seven and a half feet tall with a massive, uh, uh, a massive uh, uh, sword uh, in his hand, and, and all he had was a staff. He was contrary to the success of Benai. It's like the old saying, bringing a knife to a gunfight. But he moved forward anyway. He went on. He didn't back down. He pressed forward. So not only do you find that this Egyptian was a great, sta was a great stature, had a massive spear in his hand, but he had stepped up to the battle with only a staff, no sword, no shield, no spear, nothing at all, and he plucked that spear out of his hand, and he slew the Egyptian himself with his own weapon. Most of us would have warned against the battle, saying you can't win, don't do it. But an alpha leads with courage. So, beloved, these are the characteristics that we need in our life. We need in our days. When, when, when our life is contrary to, you know, we need to be contrary to human nature, we need to move forward. We need to stand. We need to leave. We need to fight. When life is not commodious to, uh, to the mind or to the body, I mean, we need to move forward. We need to stand. We need to leave. We need to fight. When life is not convenient in the mind, we need to move forward, stand, lead, and fight. Guys, when the carnivores, if you will, are set to attack, we need to move forward, stand, lead, and to fight. The Apostle Paul said at my first answer, no man stood with me, that all men forsook me. I pray to God that, he'll, that it may not be laid to their charge, notwithstanding the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, that by me the preaching might be fully known, and that all the Gentiles might hear. He says, and I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion. Paul was counted out. Benaniah was counted out. He was outnumbered. He was alone. He's again, the odds were against him. But you know what he did? He moved forward. He stood. He led. And he fought. And these are the characteristics of courage, guys, that we can take in our own lives tonight. 
And you may never find yourself in a darkened alley getting ready to fight a seven and a half foot Egyptian. At least I hope you never do, okay? You may never find yourself down inside of a snowy pit with a big old cat getting ready to eat your head off. I hope you never deal with the physical things that we see in this man's life, this alpha. But the spiritual things and the mental things and the emotional things that we deal with a lot of times on a daily basis is where it requires the courage to stand, trust the truth, be counted for, back down not, be ready to move forward, and slay the enemy of your mind, your emotions, your heart in the life that we live in today. We bow your heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time. We pray, dear God, that you take this message. I do pray that it would be a blessing and a help unto people. We ask you to lead us, Lord, that we would see this example set before us and that we would take it on board, Father, that we not only apply it into our days, Lord, when struggles and battles come our way, but, Father, we'd be willing to stand in the midst of, of days and times when most people would just count us out that we put our faith, our trust, our dependence upon you, that we would trust in your word to do the right thing, and we allow your word to be a lamp under our feet, be a light into our path. Lord, when it tells us to stop, that we stop and stand. When it tells us to go, we move. So, Lord, I pray tonight that we would take these characteristics, apply it into our life, help us be a blessing, not only in our own life, dear God, but those around us, Father, that we may... Have that courage, Father, to protect our loved ones, to do the right thing, even when no one else may be doing so. In Jesus Christ's name we ask. Amen. 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 I hope and pray that preaching and teaching the Word of God was a blessing to you.